the Bible. From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers, and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we cannot know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible. A 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the word, Soapy Dollar. Many, many thanks, Kevin Bell, for getting us on the air tonight. And welcome, everyone, to the Bible Live broadcast. Your chance to hear specifically the last chapters of the book of Isaiah, this great prophet who ministered over a period of 60 years from 740 B.C. to 680, a very volatile period. Empires were rising and falling one after the other. The swirling winds of change all over the area, the region, during that time of Isaiah's life. And there he was trying to help teach and preach and motivate the people of Israel to remain faithful to the foundational principles that they had as a nation, and that is an allegiance to the true and living God, the creator of the universe. He kept reminding them of who they were their heritage, their legacy, their commitment to follow and obey the true and living God and not to go off into idolatry, into following false gods and empty, shallow religiosity and superstition that really had captured many of the people groups around them. And there was perversion and cruelty on on an incredible level. There was injustice, hatred, and there was crime of, of every conceivable kind. And there they were in the middle trying to be faithful to God and to his moral commands. Times exactly like we live in here in 21st century America. Yes, technology has advanced considerably. We are no way the same in many ways. And yet human nature has not changed at all. That's what makes this great book so, so really amazing and powerful. We're going to finish the book of Isaiah tonight, chapters 64 through 66. But before we do that, we always read from the Psalms and the Proverbs. We call it our wisdom and worship segment. Tonight we're in Psalm 109, righteous indignation against liars and slanderers. That's the theme. The idea is that we can tell God our true feelings and desires. That's a wonderful thing that is celebrated in the Psalms. Psalm 109, 21 through 31. 
But deal well with me, O Sovereign Lord, for the sake of your own reputation. Rescue me because you are so faithful and good. For I am poor and needy, and my heart is full of pain. I am fading like a shadow at dusk. I am falling like a grasshopper that is brushed aside. My knees are weak from fasting, and I am skin and bones. I am an object of mockery to people everywhere. When they see me, they shake their heads. Help me, O Lord my God! Save me because of your unfailing love. Let them see that this is your doing, that you yourself have done it, Lord. Then let them curse me if they like, but you will bless me. When they attack me, they will be disgraced, but I, your servant, will go right on rejoicing. Make their humiliation obvious to all. Clothe my accusers with disgrace, but I will give repeated thanks to the Lord, praising him to everyone, for he stands beside the needy, ready to save them from those who condemn them. End of reading, Psalm 109, 21-31. Where would I be if you had not been by my side? How could I rise to meet the morning of the day? You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Always calling from behind. At times I could not see, even though you it has been said that we do not know that God is all we need, often until God is all we have. That is a sad commentary on the human condition. We don't seek God often until we actually are desperate for Him. The truth is we are desperate for Him at every moment of our lives. We have been created to know Him and to walk with Him and experience Him. And I'm not talking about some impossible-to-experience state of religiosity or some kind of intellectual or emotional state that we work ourselves into. I'm talking about just good, clear, common sense walking with God, knowing Him, seeking to please God, living our lives in the light of who He is and the truth that He has revealed about Himself and His ways and what He requires of us. Isaiah keeps calling the people to common sense faith in God. There is a way to coming to God in our arrogance, in our pride that we are good enough, pulling up our religious robe around us and saying, oh, we deserve your forgiveness. The passage tonight makes it clear that we cannot approach God in that way, that our righteousness, any righteousness we could come up with on our own, is as filthy rags to God. Only as we come to Him humble and broken, reliant upon His grace and His mercy, that seems to be the great, great difficulty. May the Lord use this passage tonight. May it become the attitude of the American people turning back to God. The Bible Life. Isaiah 64, 1 through 66, 24. Isaiah 64. Oh, that you would burst from the heavens and come down. How the mountains would quake in your presence. As fire causes wood to burn and water to boil, your coming would make the nations tremble. Then your enemies would learn the reason for your fame. When you came down long ago, you did awesome things beyond our highest expectations. And oh, how the mountains quaked. For since the world began, no ear has heard and no eye has seen a God like you, who works for those who wait for Him. You welcome those who cheerfully do good, who follow godly ways. But we are not godly. We are constant sinners. So your anger is heavy on us. How can people like us be saved? 
We are all infected and impure with sin. When we proudly display our righteous deeds, we find they are but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins, like the wind, sweep us away. Yet no one calls on your name or pleads with you for mercy. Therefore you have turned away from us and turned us over to our sins. And yet, Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all formed by your hand. Oh, don't be angry with us, Lord. Please don't remember our sins forever. Look at us, we pray, and see that we are all your people. Your holy cities are destroyed. Even Jerusalem is a desolate wilderness. The holy, beautiful temple where our ancestors praised you has been burned down, and all the things of beauty are destroyed. After all this, Lord, must you still refuse to help us? Will you continue to be silent and punish us? This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 65. The Lord says, People who never before inquired about me are now asking about me. I am being found by people who were not looking for me. To them I have said, I am here. I open my arms to my own people all day long, but they have rebelled. They follow their own evil paths and thoughts. All day long they insult me to my face by worshiping idols in their sacred gardens. They burn incense on the rooftops of their homes. At night they go out among the graves and secret places to worship evil spirits. They also eat pork and other forbidden foods. Yet they say to each other, Don't come too close or you will defile me. I am holier than you. They are a stench in my nostrils, an acrid smell that never goes away. Look, my decree is written out in front of me. I will not stand silent. I will repay them in full. Yes, I will repay them, both for their own sins and for those of their ancestors, says the Lord. For they also burned incense on the mountains and insulted me on the hills. I will pay them back in full. But I will not destroy them all, says the Lord. For just as good grapes are found among a cluster of bad ones, and someone will say, don't throw them all away, there are some good grapes there, so I will not destroy all Israel. For I still have true servants there. I will preserve a remnant of the people of Israel and of Judah to possess my land. Those I choose will inherit it and serve me there. For my people who have searched for me, the plain of Sharon will again be filled with flocks, and the valley of Achor will be a place to pasture herds. But because the rest of you have forsaken the Lord and his temple and worship the gods of fate and destiny, I will destine you to the sword. All of you will bow before the executioner. For when I called, you did not answer. When I spoke, you did not listen. You deliberately sinned before my very eyes and chose to do what you know I despise. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You will starve, but my servants will eat. You will be thirsty, but they will drink. You will be sad and ashamed, but they will rejoice. You will cry in sorrow and despair while my servants sing for joy. Your name will be a curse word among my people, for the sovereign Lord will destroy you and call his true servants by another name. All who invoke a blessing or take an oath will do so by the God of truth. For I will put aside my anger and forget the evil of earlier days. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth, so wonderful that no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be glad, rejoice forever in my creation. 
And look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and delight in my people. And the sound of weeping and crying will be heard no more. No longer will babies die when only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they have lived a full life. No longer will people be considered old at 100. Only sinners will die that young. In those days, people will live in the houses they build and eat the fruit of their own vineyards. It will not be like the past when invaders took the houses and confiscated the vineyards. For my people will live as long as trees and will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. They will not work in vain, and their children will not be doomed to misfortune. For they are people blessed by the Lord, and their children too will be blessed. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they are still talking to me about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. The wolf and lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like an ox. Poisonous snakes will strike no more. In those days no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Isaiah 66. This is what the Lord says. Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Could you ever build me a temple as good as that? Could you build a dwelling place for me? My hands have made both heaven and earth, and they are mine. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts, who tremble at my word. But those who choose their own ways, delighting in their sins, are cursed. Their offerings will not be accepted. When such people sacrifice an ox, it is no more acceptable than a human sacrifice. When they sacrifice a lamb or bring an offering of grain, it is as bad as putting a dog or the blood of a pig on the altar. When they burn incense, it is as if they had blessed an idol. I will send great troubles against them, all the things they feared. For when I called, they did not answer. When I spoke, they did not listen. They deliberately sinned before my very eyes and chose to do what they know I despise. Hear this message from the Lord and tremble at His words. Your close relatives hate you and throw you out for being loyal to my name. Let the Lord be honored, they scoff. Be joyful in Him. But they will be put to shame. What is all the commotion in the city? What is that terrible noise from the temple? It is the voice of the Lord taking vengeance against His enemies. Before the birth pains even begin, Jerusalem gives birth to a son. Who has ever seen or heard of anything as strange as this? Has a nation ever been born in a single day? Has a country ever come forth in a mere moment? But by the time Jerusalem's birth pains begin, the baby will be born. The nation will come forth. Would I ever bring this nation to the point of birth and then not deliver it, asked the Lord? No, I would never keep this nation from being born, says your God. Rejoice with Jerusalem. Be glad with her, all you who love her and mourn for her. Delight in Jerusalem. Drink deeply of her glory, even as an infant drinks at its mother's generous breasts. Peace and prosperity will overflow Jerusalem like a river, says the Lord. The wealth of the nations will flow to her. Her children will be nursed at her breasts, carried in her arms and treated with love. I will comfort you there as a child is comforted by its mother. When you see these things, your heart will rejoice. Vigorous health will be yours. 
everyone will see the good hand of the Lord on his people and his anger against his enemies. See, the Lord is coming with fire, and his swift chariots of destruction roar like a whirlwind. He will bring punishment with the fury of his anger and the flaming fire of his hot rebuke. The Lord will punish the world by fire and by his sword, and many will be killed by the Lord. Those who purify themselves in a sacred garden, feasting on pork and rats and other forbidden meats, will come to a terrible end, says the Lord. I can see what they are doing, and I know what they are thinking. So I will gather all nations and peoples together, and they will see my glory. I will perform a sign among them, and I will send those who survive to be messengers to the nations, to Tarshish, to the Libyans and Lydians, who are famous as archers, to Tubal and Greece, and to all the lands beyond the sea that have not heard of my fame or seen my glory. There they will declare my glory to the nations. They will bring the remnant of your people back from every nation. They will bring them to my holy mountain in Jerusalem as an offering to the Lord. They will ride on horses, in chariots and wagons, and on mules and camels, says the Lord. And I will appoint some of those who return to be my priests and Levites. I, the Lord, have spoken. As surely as my new heavens and earth will remain, so will you always be my people, with a name that will never disappear, says the Lord. All humanity will come to worship me from week to week and from month to month, and as they go out, they will see the dead bodies of those who have rebelled against me. For the worms that devour them will never die, and the fire that burns them will never go out. All who pass by will view them with utter horror. End of reading Isaiah 64, 1 through 66, 24. This is the Bible Live. Thou shalt not go away. I'm going to prove it this time. Whatever it takes, that's what I'll do. Love that song. Whatever it takes, God, I'm going to come back to you. You can see from this dramatic reading tonight, that is exactly what Isaiah is talking about. In this opening chapter, he reminds us that our righteousness, our goodness is as filthy rags. We can't waltz into God's presence and demand that he forgive us and that we go to heaven and that everything go right for us. We're really good. We're very religious. We have a Christian country, we call it. That was part of the experience of the people of Israel. They had this long history of God's dealing with them, the prophets, their kings, and the Davidic lineage, and, and they had the prophecies, and they had the promises of God to protect them. They had the covenant. They had the Ten Commandments. They had the temple, this heritage of faith and of God's dealings with them. And yet they couldn't just waltz into his presence and say, we're more spiritual than others. In their pride and their arrogance, that's the way many had come to feel. And Isaiah is saying there in that first chapter, no, it's brokenness, it's humility, it's repentance that God is looking for. We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. No one calls on your name. 
No one pleads with you for mercy. In our nation, are we in that same position? Now, we do have a remnant. Even as Isaiah talks about a remnant of people here in the population of that time, there was a small group, broken and humble and seeking God in their humble way. Maybe they were doing things all wrong, and, and folks were making fun of them as well, mocking them and scoffing at them. I'm hoping and praying that there is that remnant in our own nation today in America. Now, remember when we talk about the theme of judgment, there are two levels of judgment. God judges men and nations in this world, nations rising and falling, and God is authoring and guiding the experience of this world. It is different, though, from his ultimate final judgment when all wickedness and evil will be destroyed And the wicked, those who reject God, will receive what they have desired, and so they will not have him. C.S. Lewis once said that there are two kinds of people in the world, those who say to God, Thy will be done, and those to whom ultimately God will say, Thy will be done. That will happen someday. But for this moment, good and evil coexist. Uh, God is managing the human race. Uh, sustaining the race, keeping us from self-destruction and implosion because of sin, while the gospel freely works in the lives of men and women around the world. Are you so caught up in the affairs of this world, making money, having a job, getting this, getting that, this car, that car, your health, uh, your? <laughs> that's right. We all are. We're caught up in ourselves, and yet we have to pause and remind ourselves there's a whole existence, there's a whole reason for living, there's a whole experience beyond simply what is going on in our lives. It doesn't make what is going on in our lives unimportant, but it puts it in its proper context, in its place of eternity. Are you viewing your life as it relates to eternity? Are you viewing your life here on this earth through the lens of eternity, with eternity in view? It doesn't make the affairs of this world less important. In fact, it lifts them to much higher, greater importance. It may change our experience. In fact, most of the time, when we get things into proper perspective, it makes our life better. It brings peace. It brings calm. It brings contentment. It brings generosity. It brings many, many great good qualities into our experience instead of if we're just madly hustling around as if this is all that matters and this is all of our existence. That is the theme. That's why Isaiah keeps hammering away over and over to the people of Israel. And in particular, he's talking to people who supposedly know better, who supposedly know about the true and living God. They know about salvation. They know about redemption. They know about God's eternal purposes here being carried out in this earth, in human history. The Lord says, I was ready to respond, but no one asked me for help. I was ready to be found, but no one was looking for me. How sad can it be that God is there available to us, waiting for us to repent, to turn to him. That calls to each and every one of us. It's just not all of those wicked, evil people out there. He's talking to me tonight. He's talking to you. Are you searching for God? Is there a longing in your heart to know him, to please God, and to experience him to experience the life that he would have for you. Maybe you're like the proverbial businessman who climbed the ladder of success and got to the top only to find that his ladder was leaning against the wrong wall. Maybe you have a lot of the things of this world. You've got a lot of toys. You've gained, to some degree, your life objectives, and you're finding out that without God, without purpose, without meaning, they're empty and they're shallow and they do not satisfy. That is what Isaiah is talking about. 
Now, as I said before, we often wonder, well, what is God doing in this world? We think, well, if God is judge, why does he allow Japan to do this? And why does he allow Russia to do that and the Chinese to do this? There are far more abortions in China than there are in America. So why would God be judging us? There are principles at work beyond us in our understanding. In other words, one thing God has said to us clearly in the book of Isaiah is, my ways are far beyond your ways, his understanding of what he is doing in human nature and all of the different dynamics involved in his judgment. His understanding is perfect and complete, while ours is always only partial. But one principle that does come out in terms of judgment is that to whom much is given, much is required. God looks at us from whence we have fallen. In other words, the judgment of God may be harsher against America for our sinning and for our moving into abortion and the killing of human innocent human life, for example. His judgment may be harsher upon us than it would be on a pagan nation, a nation that has not had the gospel. We have known better, and we should know better, just as the people of Israel were judged far more harshly because of their sacrificing children to idols and so on than even Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon or Assyria before them. We are responsible for the light that God has given us, and we have fallen from a far greater height because of our heritage and the grace of God in giving us a godly biblical history We are even more responsible before the Lord. But the thing about judgment in this world, remember, though, that good and evil coexist here. So when God judges the men and nations in this world as we see it, he is not judging on the basis of simple good and evil because good and evil are here and they coexist. There is an aspect that is a dimension of his judgment, but also he is managing the human race to manage the harvest. In other words, how do we as a nation, how do you as a person or your family, how are we contributing to or detracting from the expansion of God's kingdom? That is what is on God's heart at this time. It's harvest time. He is reaping. I will be their God. They will be my people. All during this human history here, he is calling out a people for himself. That is what will last for eternity. And so as we contribute to or detract from that purpose, that is one of the primary factors that God uses in judging nations in this time. There's a wonderful passage in the New Testament where Jesus said, I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. He says, if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. He doesn't say I might come in if you're lucky, if you're handsome, if you're rich, if you're good enough. He says, anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Won't you tonight say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Be the Lord of my life. Won't you surrender your heart and life to him and by faith trust him to come in and begin that new life in Christ that God has promised us. See you next time. Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Sophie reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live, P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.